Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS. And that link will be in the show notes. There's actually a lot you can do to help your body heal and to prevent the cancer from coming back. You don't have to just watch and wait and hope that every scan in the future is going to be clear. You know, there's a lot we can do. Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. Access to functional or specialized medicine testing and standard blood work is a big piece of personalizing care plans to help our clients succeed. But getting accounts with multiple labs and ordering and tracking results from many different web portals slows efficiency by bogging us down in admin work. This is why I'm completely obsessed with our podcast sponsor, Rupa Health. It's a single portal that allows you to order from over 20 specialty labs in one incredibly simple dashboard. I'm talking less than 30 seconds to set up your free account and about 30 seconds to order the labs you need. All the results are in one place and I can securely send clients their results with a click of a button. A big advantage for our clients is that standard blood work can be ordered for almost two thirds less than other direct to consumer lab sites. Rupa is a lab concierge, so they send the lab invoices on your behalf if a client pays for their own labs. They help them get set up with a lab draw, navigate testing questions, and they provide the requisition forms. It's literally a dream. Go sign up for free to help streamline your practice and simplify ordering labs for your clients at rupahealth.com. That's R-U-P-A health.com and let them know I sent you when you sign up. You can also check out the show notes for this episode for a short video walkthrough of how I use Rupa Health in my own practice. All right. Today on The Lustrous Life, we have Dion Detraz, an integrative and functional dietitian and cancer nutrition expert. She is also the founder of Ground and Root cancer nutrition and online dietetics practice specializing in functional nutrition for cancer survivors. So we're going to talk about how she arrived at this, et cetera. And we can talk a little bit about the history and how she worked in conventional oncology and infusion clinics, and then integrative medicine clinics, and now into private practice. So it's been a long time coming. And I also feel like she is 
I feel that she is filling a very unique area that needed to be filled. There is actually not a large number of people that specialize in cancer nutrition in an integrative and holistic way. So welcome, Dion. Thank you, Krista. I'm excited to be here. All right. So I know your dad's story is a big catalyst in how this all happened, but Mm -hmm. you know, you did. So I know he had cancer twice. And so let's talk about his Mm -hmm. story, but was it serendipitous that you actually worked in oncology clinics as a dietitian as well? At what point, like, where does it all fit into the timeline? I think is really Mm -hmm. the question. Like, when did your dad have cancer? And when did you choose jobs in the cancer field and were they related to each other initially? Right. Well, I actually lucked out during my dietetic internship. I did a rotation at MD Anderson Cancer Center Mm. and in Texas. And at the time, I didn't know that this would end up being my specialty, but I had this amazing experience and ended up coming out of that really feeling called to serve this population of people, seeing what a difference dietary strategies made in their journey. So as soon as I got back to California, I was working at Kaiser Permanente. For those of you who may know that organization, I just approached the oncology department. It was like, you guys need to have a dietitian here. Like this is going to make a huge difference in people's journey. So I had started working in the field Not exclusively. I was an outpatient dietitian. So, you know, I was seeing all kinds of different people, but cancer as well. And at that time is when my father got diagnosed with his first diagnosis. It was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm -hmm. And so I did feel just like you mentioned, I felt blessed that I was in a position where I already had some experience and knowledge in the world of cancer and nutrition and integrative medicine that I could help him through that six month journey of chemotherapy. And he did really well. He was able to keep working and he still had good energy and he got through all the months of chemo and was in remission at the end. So to me, it really validated, right? As a dietitian, you're like, yes, see, this makes a difference. This really helps people. So I continued on that path, but then was able to move into an integrative medicine clinic actually in San Francisco at UCSF. And still working with cancer, but also with other people as well. It wasn't just exclusively, you know, long story short, this progressed into my family and I deciding to move to France, which could probably be its own podcast show, (laughs) how that happened. But the point of that is that's when I started my online practice. So I could keep working with people while we were in France. And at that time, while we were here, my father got diagnosed with a recurrence. So that was probably about five years after his first diagnosis. And I would say that it was really the recurrence for me that dialed in how much was missing from our initial game plan, because I really thought he was doing everything he could. You know, I had given him as much as I knew to with food and supplements and, you know, lifestyle, and I still came back. And so it was really at that point that we dove deeper into trying to figure out why, like you do with your practice. And so he met with a lot of different integrative and alternative and, you know, different providers to try to get a bigger picture of what was happening. And that's when I discovered functional medicine. I didn't know about that before then, that you could actually do testing to help see what's happening behind the scenes. And we discovered a whole host of things that were impeding his immune system and likely contributed to the cancer recurring. 
So we went through about a year and a half of trying to help him through the recurrence. Unfortunately, he didn't make it. He passed away. Mm. But it was from that experience that I was like, I felt obligated that I had to share what I had learned with other people. And at that point, that's it. I just dedicated myself to cancer. Yeah. Okay. So what year there was something in there? Mm -hmm. Actually, let me back up to the bigger picture. So first of all, I want to point out that MD Anderson seems to be one of the best cancer centers in the US, as far as I know. It comes up a lot in interviews. There was a beautiful, wonderful oncologist I interviewed for a two-part interview a year or two ago. He was at a microbiome conference as a researcher. And so I interviewed him. And I don't recall if he worked at MD Anderson, but it came up in that conversation. Usually if things like present frequently, it means something. And I've had people tell, reach out that have listened to the podcast and say, Hey, I actually like contacted MD Anderson. They were amazing. And they seem to be a nice bridge of conventional and a little bit of integrative. So uh, let me actually touch on that before we kind of move on that second part of the timeline. Since you did your internship there, you know, you had a short ish time there, but Mm -hmm. while you were there and it was years ago, technically it was many years ago, technically, I think, right. Right. Mm -hmm. What was your experience? You said you saw such a difference in the way nutrition made or in your journey. And then you gave a description or a result in the way that your dad's first battle was that he was able to work and felt good. And so can you tell me more about the difference that you saw when people were addressing nutrition and cancer? Because there is a pretty dang big disparity in how at least when I went to school and maybe when you went to school too, mm-hmm. and how we mm-hmm. were taught to look at nutrition from cancer and how maybe you saw it playing out at MD Anderson, which is, I feel a bit right. more progressive for a cancer yeah. institute. So tell me about those differences that you saw first mm-hmm. uh, when you were there. That yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a good point because it's true. I do remember getting, you know, our basic kind of medical nutrition therapy in, in cancer when we were in school. And it was about, you know, making sure they were meeting their calorie and protein needs and like keeping their weight up. But, you know, it wasn't always about the quality of the foods they were choosing. It was just more kind of number crunching. What's a neutropenic diet also, which means like yes. cooked yes. fruits and vegetables only which literally yes. like makes no sense in my brain at all when we're like looking at antioxidants no, it com- doesn't. to combat oxidative stress. And we're like, actually, if you could give them a bland diet, so there's no risk of bacterial infection. I'm like, but this actually combats basic mm-hmm. science. Like it doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense was what I was thinking when right. I was going to school. I'm like, it didn't make well, any course. sense to me. Anyway, it doesn't make on. any sense. Of course. Or even like enhancing, like optimizing caloric intake with something like and sure, some of these other different mm. nutritional drinks just does not make sense when someone's mm. like fighting cancer, you know? So at MD Anderson, of course, they were integrating some of the basic principles that we learned in school, but they were taking it way beyond. And I actually had the privilege of kind of rotating through several different people while I was there. And one of the dietitians I worked with was working in their integrative medicine clinic, which was really cool. So I got to see her interact with patients and be really creative around troubleshooting symptoms and how to bring in different herbs and spices and supplements to help with side effects and to help, you know, boost energy and all these things that are so important to help somebody get to the other side of treatment. That to me, it felt like a no brainer that this is what needed to be included when we, you know, when we think about complementing cancer care. Yeah. Otherwise people are going to be doing it anyway. To be honest, I mean, sure, you don't, if you don't get what you be want, trying stuff, right. Absolutely. If you don't get what you want, you're going to go look for it. Right. So absolutely. 
So yeah. that was what else was in the mainstream version of MD Anderson where they were kind of like, what difference? So again, yeah, what differences did you see in? And I think maybe it speaks to, I think usually we think about cancer kind of wiping out our life and kind of mm-hmm. making it impossible to live a day-to-day life. And I think you're describing right. that that was the opposite of what you saw, that you saw people actually thriving right. Like they were actually like living a life in yeah. addition to treating cancer is how I absolutely, this. absolutely. That was kind of the wake up call for me that we could use diet in such a way that would actually help people feel better during treatment, that they could have more energy, that they could have less nausea and less symptoms and still actually live their life in addition to treating cancer, that it wasn't everything. And I going into that rotation, I didn't know that that was possible, right? I just came at it with sort of basic information. So that was really eye-opening for me. I mean, my brain is like, but how do you make sure people are getting enough nutrition when yeah. their esophagus feels raw and burned and they yeah. have no appetite, actually? <laughs> right. Right. That's, or that's sometimes, question. or they have to have a tube feed for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think the truth is there's a lot of options within kind of the world of healthy eating where you could still even technically give somebody a bland diet, but make it pretty nutritious. Mm -hmm. Right. Or you could have somebody on a tube feeding formula, like even just being introduced to the fact that there are alternative formulas out there that are still whole food based and organic and different things. So sometimes it's just you don't know what you don't know until you're exposed to like, oh, wow, there's all these options available for people. Yeah. What are some options of organic whole food based formulas that are a yeah. replacement for insure? Because every person working in a hospital or clinic setting would like to be aware of, would like to be tipped off on some brands. <laughs> Absolutely. I could probably give you a list too, if you wanted to include that in any show notes, but I would say the top two that come up the most are Liquid Hope, which is from Functional Formularies. They have adult and pediatric versions, and they have several different formulas that are amazing. And then also Kate Farms is another great one too for organic whole food based. And some, I mean, even when I was working at UCSF, some hospitals do cover some of that. So it just Mm -hmm. depends. It depends on where you are and sort of, you know, how much people know, I guess I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's been a few years, but I am familiar with both of those brands. I haven't looked at them for a while. Okay. So that was your experience at MD Anderson. And then you had said you went back to California, you were going to Kaiser. Mm -hmm. And at some point you moved into an integrative med clinic at UCSF, but there was a bit of a, I was confused on the timeline about when your dad got diagnosed with cancer the second time, were you already working in the integrative clinic at that time? So no, I was, I was still at Kaiser. I was still at Kaiser. This was in 2012. And so I kind of supported him while I was still working. I was still working at Kaiser and I'm trying to remember, I think I moved over to UCSF maybe in 2014, I think it was, or 2015. I was there a few years before we came to France. We came to France six years ago. So you gotta do the math. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I was still at Kaiser and then moved into UCSF after. Okay. So you had said, I learned from this recurrence that I was missing a lot of things that I thought we were covering mm. before. Do you mind sharing some of the things that yeah. you learned about at that time? Absolutely. Cause that for me was really kind of the aha moment. Mm-hmm. I was already a staunch believer in integrative medicine, but this is what opened my eyes to the world of functional medicine and how I really think we need the complement of the two when we're supporting someone through cancer. So in my dad's case, 
With different testing, we discovered that he had chronic infection with Epstein-Barr, which very likely kind of started his lifelong issues with inflammation, which I'm sure you'd be interested in. <laughs> like it started with rheumatism and then it was diabetes and then heart disease and then eventually cancer. So it was, you know, this linear thing kind of. He also had multiple parasites in his gut. He had a glyphosate toxicity in his system. He also had, which at the time was not a red flag for me, but now knowing what I know now, it should have been, he had a chronic bone infection the year prior to his mm. recurrence that wasn't healing. And it mm. should have been a sign really like to any, it would have been like, huh, why is his immune system struggling? What's going mm. on here? And, you know, we just, we didn't know. So by the time we figured all these pieces out, when his oncologist told us, you know, because of course we asked, why did this come back? He was basically at his last scan, which would have made him, you know, like cured of cancer. And then they saw some things light up again. Like, why is this happening five years later? And, you know, his oncologist said, well, I mean, it just happens sometimes. We don't know. It's just bad luck. And that was so triggering for me. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. Cancer is a lot of things, but it is not bad luck. Like that is not what's causing cancer for people. And it wasn't until we figured out all these other things that we realized there was actually a lot going on behind the scenes. Well, I think that's a good segue into let's talk about the treatment pie or the assessment pie of what does that look like for you yeah. as someone who works with cancer day in and day out, right. what goes into assessing the deeper picture that's being messed. I mean, so they have, you have your primary care and you have that plan and that treatment mm -hmm. that varies a lot depending on the type of cancer, but then right. how do you come in and look at other opportunities? Like what are some of the things that you want to do for either testing or assessments yeah. to determine what that care plan looks like? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to back up a second and just say that it also, to me, really depends on where someone is in the journey. Yeah. So I kind of break it down into three stages where like stage one is you're in treatment. Maybe you were even just diagnosed and treatment hasn't started yet, or you're still moving through treatment. And that's going to have a certain set of priorities versus someone who's in stage two, which means they've finished treatment but they still need to detox, heal, repair from treatment, right? Like they're still kind of close enough that there's a lot of repairing going on versus the final stage, stage three, which is then looking to just long-term recurrence prevention and how do we reduce risks for this coming back? So all of those have slightly different priorities. Mm. I would say that, you know, for somebody who's in treatment, the goal is to really, how can we optimize their treatment? make it as effective as possible while minimizing their symptoms and side effects so that, you know, they can have the best possible outcome. And we can do a lot of that with diet and supplements and fasting strategies, much like I did with my dad the first time around. And it can be very successful even on its own, you know, without diving deeper, let's say during treatment. Mm -hmm. But once treatment is complete, the piece that you know, I didn't know to do with my dad is like, once you're beyond treatment, now we need to dive deeper. We need to figure out like, what are your risk factors? I usually have everybody start with just a questionnaire to kind of get a sense of seven, what I consider seven primary systems of cancer growth or reproduction. And so we're sort of assessing these different areas and then any areas that score high, that seem kind of high risk for them, then we might dive deeper with testing. And that could be hormone testing. It could be stool testing. It could be toxicity panels. 
It could be nutrient evaluation, like nutrient testing. It really sort of depends on what are the red flags for them. So I want to get the stages right. And then I have questions about the the seven primary system. So it was stage one was in treatment or you're just diagnosed and haven't started treatment yet. So you were optimizing. And then stage three was long-term recurrence and prevention and reducing risk. But stage two is treatment complete. So I'm confused between stage two and stage three. Will you clarify for me? Yeah, stage two is going to be, I would say like the first maybe three to six months once treatment is finished. Because it takes some time, right, for the body to really Mm -hmm. heal and repair from everything it went through. Mm -hmm. And um, when I meet people who are in this stage and or even if they're like a year out, but they still feel really crappy. They still have a lot of brain fog. They still have a lot of fatigue. Maybe they still have a lot of GI issues. To me, it's because we haven't really addressed this stage two, mm-hmm. which in some ways you could think of if you're, if any of your listeners are moms, it's like that fourth trimester, you mm-hmm. know, when you're really just focused on kind of repairing and rebuilding and resting and like getting back to baseline. Mm-hmm. And when we skip over that part, then people hang out in this place of discomfort and, and uneased. So that would be typically it's three to six months, but it just depends right on yeah. what they've If you're been feeling doing. pretty crappy at the end of treatment or you're in that like needing to heal and repair, et cetera, but stage exactly. three would be more years post treatment, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Exactly. Got it. I imagine you work with people for a bit of time for sure. It's true. I mean, I feel like most of my clients, it's at least a year, mm-hmm. sometimes like, more. It does make sense, right? I mean, it's not a short mm-hmm. and it does take time to get through a lot of things. And as long as you have like kind of a yeah. clear linear plan and it makes sense and you have clear expectations around it, that yeah. makes sense. You know, it's like, right. this is like probably some of the craziest stuff your body could probably go through on right. a regular basis. So, <laughs> right. So in that stage two, and where do you think most of your clients land in which stage? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Well, maybe twofold. I think a lot of my private one-on-one clients are still in treatment and they're really looking for support, you know, during that piece. And sometimes they're struggling with treatment, right? Or they're having complications and they're really needing support. Whereas more of the people in my group program, I would say are in kind of stage two or three. Not everyone, but a lot of them are finished with treatment and they're really looking to work through those seven systems and figure out like what's their long-term game plan. Mm -hmm. So the people who are in most distress are the ones who are working with you, not necessarily in stage three. They're like, oh, I think I'm good. So all right, let's let's talk about those seven primary systems of cancer Mm -hmm. growth. Can you identify those for us? Yes, I can. And it's what I would consider when I teach it to my clients or to my community. It's like taking the, you know, the standard cancer prevention guidelines that we may already be aware of, like eat healthy and exercise and don't smoke and be at a healthy weight. And, you know, like kind of these basics that to me just don't go anywhere deep enough to really help us understand what's going on. We're going beyond all of that. So the first step is to look at potential nutrient deficiencies. We know that that can, you know, it's sort of like anything that physiologically can drive cancer growth or DNA damage or genetic, you know, like changing genetic expressions. Like those are kind of the systems we're looking at. So nutrient deficiencies, blood sugar balance, hormone, like hormone health and sort of how are the balance of hormones? Is is there excess hormones in the system? looking at toxic burden and detox pathways, looking at chronic inflammation and immune system burden. And I know, let's see, oh, the microbiome, 
and leaky gut. I mean, some of the things that you work with too, right? Like I know that all of these are potential precursors. And then finally looking at emotional wellness and sort of hit stress and trauma and kind of the mind spirit piece to this puzzle. Mm -hmm. I mean, we work on all of those same things, but you're putting a lens of cancer on it, you know, which is much more specific in those, each of those realms, essentially. So I'll recap nutrient deficiencies. Mm -hmm. And then let me go through the ones that I know are all separate. Nutrient deficiencies, toxic burden and detoxification pathways, anything creating chronic inflammation and immune system burden, emotional wellness. I'm on four. Yep. You're right. Okay. That's right. And then I have these other ones. I'm not sure how many different, I was basically looking at like mitochondrial or DNA damage. Is that a separate one Mm. or cellular damage? No, Mm -hmm. no, it's not, but it could be, it could be, be. but it kind of, but that is assessed ultimately like in these other areas. I think Mm -hmm. as you're evaluating some of these other areas, you're kind of also looking at the state of the cells. So the other areas would be blood sugar balance, Mm -hmm the microbiome and Mm -hmm. leaky gut. And what else did we miss? Did you say hormones? Hormonal health? I don't think I said, well, I don't think I said hormonal health. Yeah. Yeah. So hormonal health, which of course is going to be, you know, hormone sensitive cancer. Like that's a really important area. Specifically like breast cancer, cervical cancer, any others? Ovarian. Yeah. Endometrial, prostate. Thyroid. Yeah. Thyroid, testicular. Yes. There's a lot of hormone driven. It's pretty broad, pretty broad topic here, right? It's totally broad. I know. And and it's true. It's like, sometimes I've even thought maybe I should niche into like a more specific cancer, but I think the truth is for now. Yeah. It's just like, there's not enough of me out there that I know of. And I just feel like, you know what, anybody who has cancer, (laughs) I am more than willing to help because Mm -hmm. people don't know this information and they need to. It's your mission. And as before we even kind of started recording, I thought, Oh, Dion, I hope that others are inspired and want to learn about this from you. And I think like, even if you don't have something where you train practitioners, I, cause I think about this a lot too. People say, well, how could I learn from you? I'm like, well, you could learn from taking my program probably. You know, I think that's like the most, I think being a client is the best way you can learn about yourself to be perfect. I'm just being like perfectly honest. So I don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? If someone wants to learn about cancer nutrition, they could just sign up to work with you so they could learn Absolutely. it because we need more people in this area. So it's we really so do. important. And the people who are your clients are the best clients because they really care about a holistic strategy to improve their outcomes because this is a, yeah. it can be very scary, right? So yes, it can be very scary. And I think one of my goals too, is that by providing this information, it's also making it less scary mm-hmm. because it's empowering people with all these options you know, that like, there's actually a lot you can do to help your body heal and to prevent the cancer from coming back. You don't have to just watch and wait and hope that every scan in the future is going to be clear. You know, there's a lot we can do. Yeah. Perfect. That was a great title. Thanks for mentioning that right there. You're welcome. Uh, All right. Where should, I think we could keep talking about this, but I feel pretty good. We got through, we talked about the progression of kind of arriving to be an integrative and functional cancer Mm -hmm. dietitian, which is a rarity. Talked about the Mm -hmm. disparity of kind of like conventional nutrition recommendations between cancer and 
you know, kind of media, like up leveled and then really improved and going deeper and more progressive. We talked yeah. about the seven systems or assessment or root causes or areas that mm-hmm. can be looked at for improving mm-hmm. current and optimizing and then preventing cancer um, regrowth in the future. You know, I don't know. I feel it's good. Like, you just got like through good. a lot, Krista. Yeah, I feel fine. <laughs> I feel good with it. So, and I always, my main outcome with the podcast is that I just want people to know that they've got lots of options and lots of answers yeah. to improve things. And so yes. actually what I'd love to kind of, one thing I'd love to end with is like a good success story or two, because again, mm. I think we often think about cancer being kind of taking the life out of life yeah, a little like bit. A and then, sentence. Yeah. And then, and then you're almost like, that's just your devotion is like just the treatment stuff. And so I'd love to hear something that's not that if you're willing to share like any sure. particular, any glimmers of hope from a case study or results or things that happen when you kind of look at cancer from these angles. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I'll share two with you if you don't mind, because they're kind of top of mind for me and they're at different stages. So I think that would be interesting. So the first woman I'm thinking of came to me. We started working together in the fall. She had advanced endometrial cancer and she was referred to me by a mutual colleague because the colleague truly thought like she's not going to make it like she is not doing well. They're threatening to stop treatment. You need to help her. And so we started working together and I quickly realized that she in, in an attempt to do the right thing, I totally get that. She had cut out so much from her diet that she was becoming malnourished and she was losing weight and energy and strength. Her blood counts were tanking. Like she was kind of on the verge of like, we can't keep doing treatment. So we had to quickly rein in the diet. And this was really just our primary focus at that time was diet. We didn't even do anything super fancy. It was like, we need to get your nutrient needs met because your body doesn't have enough on board. But to your point earlier, not just calories and protein, but also antioxidants and vitamins and minerals and like all the nutrients your body needs to heal. It took us a couple months to kind of stabilize her and get her to turn around but she did very well. She was able to finish her chemo by the end of December. In January, she was strong enough to go through radiation. She had surgery in February. And in March, she has no evidence of disease in her body. What? And this is a woman who like, they really weren't sure she was going to make it through treatment. So it's amazing, right? I mean, that's like the power of nutrition. And, and what was the actual timeline on that? That felt awfully fast. Yeah. I saw, I first saw her in October. Oh my so gosh. it was like, we got her October to March. Yeah. That's bonkers. And now that we're going like to work on Gonzalez. her long-term plan. Right. right. I, well, She's... it doesn't always, right? right. I mean, every, every person is different, but right. hers is interesting because it was a very specific nutrient need, right? Where like her team wasn't recognizing that her diet was actually interfering with her outcome. Right. And that she needed that approach to complement the Mm -hmm. rest of what she was doing. Right. So she's a really, yeah, she, and she's lovely woman. She's a really great story. And then another really good story is a woman who came to me in stage. I mean, technically she was in stage three. She was finished with treatment. It had been over a year since her last treatment. But she felt horrible. She had horrible digestive issues from complications from her treatment because she had very aggressive chemotherapy and a huge surgery that changed a lot of her, you know, abdominal (laughs) organs and functions. 
And she was spending four to six hours in the bathroom every day. She had small children that she didn't have the energy to care for. She was losing weight. I mean, she just a year out, she was still doing really not well. And she didn't have cancer anymore, thankfully, but her quality of life was horrible. Mm -hmm. So we started working together and really this, like, how do we repair all this damage that happened to her body? And we, uh, we, of course, we had to start in the gut right? And then we gradually like brought in more nutrient dense foods and she wasn't tolerating a bunch of things. So we had to kind of take it slow and gradually get her tolerance up. We worked together for about a year actually. And she's still now in our group program. Gosh, I think it's been at least two years now. And she is a completely different woman. You know, she spends way less time in the bathroom, like normal, normal amounts of time in the bathroom, her energy, her weight, everything has normalized. And that's to like, really look at the fact that like, yes, you may have had a very difficult treatment and may have left you with a lot of symptoms and side effects, but that doesn't mean it has to be like that forever. Like we can actually help repair some of those things. That was so heartwarming. I'm glad we ended it there because I think it's so fun to hear about some tangible success stories from people. And what was hard for me to hear in that, it was all wonderful, but it was hard for me to hear in that was how similar my clients with cancer, without cancer, (laughs) my clients that don't have cancer, having similar problems that your clients have, unfortunately. I think we're all so much more similar than we give ourselves credit for. We all struggle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's all good. (laughs) Like I I view that as a great thing. Like we're all very unique and individual, but we all have a lot in common and we need community and we need care and we need, I don't know. I just, I just think that there is a lot that we have in common. I always like to think about what we have more in common than we have different Mm -hmm. is is kind of a cool feeling uh, throughout the world. So I agree. Dion, where can people find you online? You can find me at groundandroot.com. That's my website, which will give you all kinds of great free content. I have a free masterclass up about how to take control of your healing and be more proactive in your recovery, which is, you know, is kind of the, the initial first step is to just take the mindset of that you can actually do something to help yourself heal. You can take advantage of all of that for free. If you would like more support, it shows you how to do that and how to be in touch with me. You can also find me on Instagram or Facebook at Ground and Root Nutrition. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on today. Well, you're welcome, Krista. Thank you for having me. Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. And you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post.